Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Gamers TV. I'm your host, Tortuga. And I actually wanted to start this episode by mentioning, you know, one or two things. Uh, first off, we're on Twitter now. So if you have a Twitter or if you don't have a Twitter, make a Twitter and give us a follow. And you, our handle is at GTV Podcast. And you will see our Gamers TV logo, the same logo that is on all our episodes. That'll be our icon. Give us a follow. Give us a shout out. You have me, Pixel, Books, and Punisher. We all follow the account. I'm probably going to make a tweet. All our handles at the top. So you join the page and give all our personal um, pages a follow if you want to. I wanted to introduce something where become a little more interactive with the community. I've seen that people are joining our Discord. So continue to do so. If you haven't done so already, please join our Discord. We have so many voice channels available for people that want to like have like looking for groups or looking for games or just looking to hang out or talk or share memes and, and all that good stuff. We're here uh, ready to accept anyone and everyone who wants to join in and play. So yeah, our discord, if you go to discord.org, you can find our gamers TV um, discord. Wow. That's really hard to say. Yeah. We're the first one that comes up when you do a search for gamers TV. So give us a search on discord.org and join our server and come hang out with us. The other thing with Twitter, if you're listening to this episode and you're in a safe environment i.e you're not driving or walking in the street you know not Seriously. paying attention <laughs> not trying to have accidents <laughs> out here yeah but if you're in a if you, you can safely do so tweet us live while you're listening to the episode with what we're talking about and what you think about what was said if you agree or disagree what was being said definitely share your thoughts we would love to hear the feedback and what you would have to say on the topics that we bring up and you can do this for you know older episodes it doesn't have to be the live one just let us know what episode you're on so we can keep track but definitely we will all have access to the twitter for GTV podcast, or you can add us at our individual Twitters if you want to speak to us, you know, directly. And yeah, let's let's definitely bring that. Let's make that a thing where our community that's we engage that way. Maybe you can meet other like minded people on specific topics because that's what we're here for to, to unify people. Yeah, just get that community together, talk about the things you enjoy from video games to video game related news, software, hardware, maybe uh, other media as well. Uh, we're really just trying to um, build something here, you know, just to unify us. It's all we're right. really looking for. Yeah. Cause that's definitely, I don't know. I don't know about you, but growing up, it was something that was lacking was finding like-minded people with, especially in the gaming community. Like you may find a one or two people where you would play the similar type games or the same type games, but then, you know, you wanted to try something new and then you would, you wouldn't do that because it wasn't what your group of friends were into. I mean, even uh, growing up, right. Wasn't, I mean, our parents essentially pitted us against each other, right. Uh, uh, through like education. And one was somehow always one upping the other. Right. Right. Um, and it wasn't until we hit a, a winter Edmus, right. Remember from, from the, the control of the league comic. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's basically what brought us together. If I'm not mistaken. Well, closer. Uh, I feel like, yeah, we've always been close, but it was that winter Edmus where we played video games for, I think it was three or four days straight. We didn't do a full week. Close enough. Yeah, we did like three or four days straight and a lot of Mountain Dew, but I do remember that. Yeah, and Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. A lot <laughs> of Taco Bell. Okay, back to topic. So in in lieu of all the craziness that's happening in the world, we did want to dedicate some time to speak about the Black Lives 
matter movement and more specifically in the gaming community which i feel that there's not a lot of spotlight on like black voice actors or black characters in general so i wanted to see if you wanted to share with me and you know the rest of the community some of your favorite black characters or black voice actors that you've grown to love in video games uh yeah absolutely so i think to start it off since we have mentioned this in various episodes lately is cyberpunk 2077 right we all know it's currently being developed by uh cd project red right the, the published uh developer over there gave us the witcher series but they are working very closely with a one mike pond smith okay the, this man is not new to the video game world okay <clears throat> uh Tortuga, you're actually gonna love this a lot um so he does mainly uh, uh role-playing board games um role-play games like uh like like D, right um, right so he created the cyberpunk game right the 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 original the tabletop right that's sort of the cyberpunk uh 2020 I don't know if that, that was the official title, but he basically created that. That's just one of the things he worked on. He actually worked on, I guess, two of the best Dungeons and Dragons expansions, Forgotten Realms and Oriental Adventures. Like he, oh, cool. yeah, he's off. He's like known to be the author of those two adventures in particular. Um, but this guy has been working with what is it? Uh, Al R Talsorian Games is is the, the publisher that he mainly works with, and we're talking about this guy's been with them since like the early eighties. Wow, a long time. I don't think there were many popular games yet. No, that was like when you know D and D was picking up picking up with Gary Gygax. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. Right. Yep. Gary Gygax. <clears throat> so th- this is definitely not anything new. Another one that we definitely want to take a look at. God of War, right? We have God of War 18. I know you didn't play with it, but that uh, that actor, Christopher Judge, uh, look how he took that role. You know, he's the second voice actor for Kratos and how it just blew up. You know, yes, it definitely had a following uh, with the original God of War trilogy, plus the, the, the side games that came out for like the PSP and things like that. But God of War 2018, look how that blew up. I mean, I, I played it on the fence of replaying it. It doesn't have that crazy replay value for me, but just to experience the cinematic portion of how they brought that game to life for me, right? Because I didn't play the original God of War trilogy till way after they were released, right? I think I started playing them when I God of War 3 was announced. But yeah, just the way that he brought those to life, you can go to you can go to YouTube, right? And just watch like all the cinematic trailers of the God of War 2018 game and you'll experience a full movie. Yeah, that's that's actually something I've done before with God of War because the voice acting in it is phenomenal. And the artwork and the graphics of that game is just, I don't know, it, it blew me away. And I am upset that I don't own a PlayStation and I will never play on a PlayStation. And that game is definitely one that I, I don't know, I, I definitely enjoy watching on the silence. And maybe one day I will play it when it once it's ported to PC. No, I definitely hope that more games do get that port you know we do have horizon zero dawn coming over uh, we're expecting the final fantasy 7 remake to come over in, in about a year um and it just i don't know it, it's just something that to to be able to take that level of acting skill that he has because he doesn't have uh, a short uh, resume on this right 
He was known for Stargate SG-1. He actually did a very, very terrible Dragon Ball movie, Dragon Ball Evolution. He was actually the voice of Piccolo. Um, if you ever watched the animated X-Men, uh, X-Men Evolution, he was the voice of Magneto. Uh, he was in Def Jam, Fight for New York, right? It was for the, the wrestling game with all the, the rappers and everything. And that's just his voice work, you know, but... Man, let me tell you, him and uh, Terrence Carson, the everything that they did for God of War is definitely uh, worthy. You know, definitely give it a shot. If you can't play it, look up maybe like a, a long play of it because uh, you can definitely see uh, just one of the many actors who, or many black actors specifically, who just bring so much to the table. And it's definitely worth giving it a shot. Yeah, Well, well, thank you for bringing that to light. Um, I was definitely not aware of that, and I'm sure others were not. So I guess it's my turn to share. I'm not as well-versed in the voice acting community as I would like, as you it, are. This man renames everyone the chance that he gets just because he's so bad with names. <laughs> I am the worst with names and I do rename people and it, it's definitely not out of disrespect or hate or it's not malice in any way. I promise it's literally because I can't remember names and I remember certain things and then I rename things based around that. I'm pretty sure for Valorant, the 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 Phoenix guy, I was calling him Pyro for about two weeks. <laughs> he calls uh, he still calls Omen uh, Raven. <laughs> Omen is Raven. It's definitely it's definitely a a, a crossplay of Raven, and you can't convince me otherwise. It's one hundred percent Raven. Oh, Valorant! Um, <laughs> it's you just came out, and I already have a love hate relationship with you. Agreed, mostly because people like to DC every game. So my <laughs> nomination for who I would like to give a shout out to for my favorite black character in any video game that I played is Augustus Cole from the Gears of War series. I don't know how much of Gears of War you play, but I'm pretty sure you remember Augustus Cole, right? Oh, 100%. The Cole train. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it was only uh, Gears of War 3 that I never finished because, uh, again, you know, spoilers we'll talk about very often here. We hate them. If you ever spoil something for me, I might show up at your house. But spoilers are definitely something that um, I absolutely detest, but I do remember Cole from uh, the Gears of War series. Yeah, so a little a little fun fact. Uh, well, the the actor who who played Augustus Cole, his name is Lester Spate, and he was actually a football player prior to him becoming an actor, which Seriously? I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool because I don't know if you remember much about Cole training in the Gears of War series, but he was an athlete before he became a cog. Yeah, wasn't he? Uh, what's that? What's the? Um, it's not football that they play. Thrash ball. That's what it was called. Yeah. Thrash right. ball. And he was like, like a, a great player in, in in the backstory of Gears of War and before things went south. And he was well known for it. And he definitely portrayed very well. I might add the like athlete persona for a video game character. Yeah, he definitely did because he was always about, you know, that taking charge mentality. Uh, I'm pretty sure he played some sort of offense. But yeah, he definitely brought that energy, that that motivation. And Um, that spirit, yeah. mm -hmm. Uh, And it's definitely something that I enjoyed a lot with Coltrane because anytime he would speak in either uh, multiplayer where he would just throw in a one-liner in there, uh, or when you get an active reload and you can get the woo baby, I can't do it. I can't hit that that note. But when he does that woo baby, um, definitely it just gives you that that boost of energy. Or I don't know. It, I've always enjoyed that that little kick 
that I got from that. And I don't know. I, I, I thought it was cool. The fact that he was an athlete and he was able to bring that from his personal life into into acting, which, you know, it's not that easy to do because at least I don't know when I think of acting, I kind of like block off and try to mesh fantasy and reality. It, it I don't know. It's I try to keep those two things separate because I feel like it's a, a rabbit hole if you if you don't. You know, I actually had that, that kind of uh, I don't want to say difficulty, but it is definitely something that I caught myself as a kid um just blending everything and it wasn't really until i guess the more uh right reaching puberty where you had more uh interaction with reality at that point at least in my experience you know with socializing with more uh varied groups of people instead of like just your friends growing up or like just family you had you know different different homes all coming together like in school and it wasn't until that interaction probably like 11 12 years old where i was able to draw like a very distinct line between reality and fantasy yeah i mean that's a super f- powerful thing to think about because for all of us at, at least for me that that kind of rings true too and i think it has a lot more to do with your environment and upbringing where the fantasy world is more appealing and you're more inclined to kind of want that your reality more so than reality itself. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I don't know how it was for you, but I know with, um, right with me having my sisters, I, I didn't really have anyone to, to like play with like that. And the closest that I had was my, my cousin Joe. Right. And he was three years, my junior. And so no, no matter what, there was always like that gap in age so a lot of the stuff i had to try to keep closer to his right. age group and you know video games were, were definitely one of them um but even thinking back to around that that time um where i wanted to play the more hardcore games in the what, what would that be uh 20 i'm sorry like 2002 or so right um we were still playing like Spyro, right. right? More, more kid friendly at that point. So I don't know. It's just, um, it, it's just interesting to to kind of hear that from from you. Is I don't think I've ever had to come to that realization that we did have such similar upbringings, even though we we're like identical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I had. I grew up with sisters also, and they weren't much into gaming. I mean, my youngest now, a lot more into it now than she was when we were kids growing up. We definitely played video games as children, but I wouldn't classify them as gamers. You know what I mean? There's, yes. I don't know, there's there's like a fine line between, I think, between being a gamer and someone who just play, who has played a video game. Because my mom has played Mario Kart on the Nintendo, and I can tell you right now, she is not a gamer. <laughs> um, a pretty uh, funny story. I remember, you know, growing up, right? Video games were like my thing, right? It's, it was just my pastime. But I did have a bit of a trouble with it when I was like 13 or 14, where like even in the summer, I did not want to go outside, right? I would literally spend as much time as possible just playing video games. And, you know, I, I would say it was definitely, you know, borderline addiction, right? And my dad actually didn't try. He like sat me down. And he was like, you know, like, like I get it. Like, I, you know, I don't want to try to take this away from you because my dad actually told me he faced a very similar dilemma uh, with, with Pac-Man and Tetris. Interesting. Yeah, right. Uh, where, you know, it's not something that was super unknown to them, but that he played it 
like crazy where he caught himself where he didn't want to do anything else so he had to kind of you know step back a little bit and that was all he was really asking me so while i do and enjoy gaming i do try to not let it like overtake everything so right you know uh because at the end of the day that's what it is it's a hobby it's not exactly uh, a lifestyle i guess right you know right because you don't want to you don't want something that brings you so much joy to be a detriment to your life Right. And I mean, I'm kind of glad you brought that up. And it's definitely a conversation we're going to have in fu- in a future episode where gaming can be an addiction. I'm not saying being a gamer means you're an addict, but if you're not careful, it can 100% kind of ruin your life, at least in a, in a financial way, or I guess in, in, in any kind of way, because you can, you can burn relationships if you focus too much on gaming and you don't separate that with the rest of your life. It's definitely comes down to a time management thing and i've i've been a victim like i said I, I, we'll we'll speak about it on a future episode because that, that can be in an hour long conversation on its own. <laughs> seriously kind of i kind of want to ring in what we brought up in the beginning of the episode where growing up and kind of like you said with your cousin where we would play basically we would appeal our interests to the general interests of the people we played with right so whatever right Whatever the group around us were more into, we would be more inclined to play that versus trying things out that, you know, wasn't the type of game that they would play. And the best example I can give is Halo 2. Everyone, everyone that I played video games with was more into like Call of Duty or actual physical games like basketball and baseball. And then when we played video games, it was always Call of Duty. And I always wanted to play Halo 2, but Halo 2 was like a taboo game that only nerds play and blah, blah, blah. And, but it always looked really cool from what I would see. And I've always wanted to try it. And I never tried it because when we grew up playing video games, you basically grew up or you basically played LAN. It wasn't so much online multiplayer. And around the Halo 2 era is when multiplayer was blowing up and becoming a more. Yep. With Xbox Live really coming into fruition at that point. Right. It's definitely. It's definitely something that I, I always realized. And then it was at that breaking point, right, where I branched off and basically started playing more online with strangers. Mm-hmm. And I actually built solid relationships with people online because we shared a common interest for video games. And I know you played with her and you've met her online, same as I have, was Zyfe from... Um, Gears of War, Z. when we would play Gears of War and Halo together. Z, yes. Z, yeah. And her, her dad, uh, Buck, right? Yep, her dad, Buck. And that was the thing. It was it was a genuine relationship where I met her mom and dad, you know, all, all online and over the phone and whatnot. But we would actually keep in contact with one another and stay up with, like, current events in our lives and things like that. And currently she's married and has a um, a child now. And it's just, it's it's crazy to think that 16 15 years ago that we met randomly in a lobby in gears of war one and just hit it off from there and became really good friends off of it and i don't know it's it's definitely something that i I don't know i'm basically happy that i was able to meet more people because i was able to follow an interest well i mean just because you didn't meet them in a traditional way doesn't make it like any less real in my imagination right Um, yeah i agree right like in my mind uh because, I mean, think about the evolution that's come from even online dating, um, from things like Tinder, Match, eHarmony, how even taking into account things like Tinder or eHarmony or Match, how there are very lasting relationships that have come to that. 
So just because it's not orthodox doesn't mean that it's a negative thing. No, I, mean, I take into account. What about the? There was a story I think back in twenty eighteen. I think it was. It was a group of uh, like six guys, all met online. Um, I don't know if it was PC or Xbox, but one of them ended up getting uh, a treatment for cancer. And these these guys literally never been in the same room together. They all flew to be by his side during this time. And that's a beautiful thing. I remember reading that article and it's it's just crazy. The, the bond, that's the thing, the bond that you build through gaming. I think it was like f- five years, if I remember the story right. I think they, they've been gaming online for like five years. It's it is that bond. You're absolutely right because again, just because there's not a physical portion to it, doesn't make it any less real. Right. the The physicality of it doesn't is not what uh, solidifies a relationship, and and it's definitely it's definitely a powerful thing when you think about it. And I feel that those relationships built through uh, a common interest, they tend to withstand a lot more when when it's challenged. Definitely, man. But it's like when people say that the video games are the main cause of violence, I always try to direct them to stories like these. Like, you know, that's that's not really the case because look how look how these humans are treating each other. And that's literally how they met, you know? Yeah. I mean, the best argument to that is there were no video games for World War One and um, World War Two. <laughs> so you, you can't tie violence to video games when violence existed pre-video games. So if anyone has that argument, you just throw that in their face and that should squash it. And if not, just cut them out of your life. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget the Salem witch trials as well, right? Right. The 1600s, they were just hanging people because they were different. Right. I mean, all throughout history, that's that's always been the case. So mm-hmm. violence is not new because of a Italian plumber. So... <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's true. And I, and I know it's not you, but I hate when that gets thrown out and it, it pops up every now and again. And it's like, there's, there's no basis for this. There's literally there really no correlation. In fact, 100% of criminals and murderers all drink water. <laughs> 100%. So, so, you know, we must ban dihydrogen monoxide. It's the worst <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> Ban it now. Call your congressman. Yeah, uh, it's it's a dangerous substance, and a hundred percent of them have been exposed to it. So, I mean, you know what I mean. There's 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 lines and there's limits. It, it gets ignored when gaming gets brought up for some reason. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, like, it reminds me of that one story. Um. I think someone was like seizing, or someone was like cut, and he he administered first aid because of how he learned it, like in a video game. That scares me a lot. <laughs> As someone who's taken first aid training, I don't think any video game covers it to the point where you could administer it safely. God, I, I got to try to find that thing. I don't know if he did like a stint or he put like bandages over it or something. Oh, okay. I can, I can see someone learning to do stints through a video game. And that's actually a really smart thing to do to kind of until you get it actually looked at. Is that is that the proper thing? You put like the two... Support things on the side. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what you do when you break a leg or an arm. Yep. To keep it from, right. from bending. Yeah. That's what you got to do. I can, t- I can definitely see that being learned from a video game. Actually that, that not too far fetched. I was thinking more of like closing up a bullet wound. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of interest in um, video games that become movies. Oh yeah. I, 
little bit of a problem with it. I've always wanted video game movies to be a good thing. You know, you think about uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. Uh, you think about the, the Blood Rain movies. Um, a lot of them have these licenses that they're given to to produce these things, and they are absolutely terrible. Um, they never do any justice, and like I get it, it's never going to be perfect. Uh, closest one that I think tried to do something is going to be the Assassin's Creed movie with Michael Fassbender. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I think they could have put a little more effort like in some pieces, but it wasn't a total flop for me. And I have yet to watch the Sonic movie, but I hear pretty decent things. You know, I solid sevens and eights, which I can work with. It's definitely a start, especially thinking about the fiasco it was when the original model was released, which I don't know if it's me with my tinfoil hat on, but I almost wonder if they released a bad version to get that bad publicity, because remember, there's no such thing as bad publicity, (laughs) and they already had that character model ready to just blow everyone away. Like, see, they listen, they know what they're doing, and I heard Jim Carrey was great, so I I definitely want to give it a shot. I just haven't had the chance to watch it as of yet. Yeah, Um, I'm kind of waiting for movie theaters to open back up for that. But real quick, a little fun fact. You probably know this since you know all these things anyways, but um, not gaming related, but kind of since you brought up Sonic and it was a game. It was also a cartoon, and the person that voiced Sonic in the cartoons was the guy who played Steve Urkel. Yes, Jaleel White, um, he in the original Sonic, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, it was called. We had Eggman with uh, super long red mustache, and he had those two robots uh, that was voiced by Jaleel White, um, who most uh, most commonly known as Steve Urkel from Family Matters. Another tidbit in regards to that is Steve Urkel was actually supposed to be a very minimal character on Family Matters, but people loved him so much they just made him a regular. Wow. I don't think that show can be, you know, as impactful as it was in my childhood without Steve Urkel. Yeah, uh, I hear you, man. Side note, again, Sonic is just doing a whirlwind. It has gotten a lot of bad, uh, bad reputation with the release of the most recent games that has come out. Um, But if you haven't had a chance, Sonic Adventure 2, probably the best Sonic game out there from the 3D ones. It's very old at this point, but uh, it's where they introduced Shadow the Hedgehog has one of the best soundtracks uh, that I've heard in a video game. Uh, I still listen to it to this day, so definitely something to kind of keep in mind. But uh, to backtrack a little bit into when we talk about video games in the media, as we know, we have The Watchmen, which was uh, a 12-part comic written by Alan Moore, which became the movie also got a video game release uh, where you played as Rorschach and I believe the night owl, but that got its own show on HBO. I think it only getting one season, which is unfortunate because I thought it was very good. Um, but also the last of us is getting its own TV show as well. If you haven't played the games, I'm sure you've heard me talk about it previously. I'm kind of excited to see what direction they're going to go with that. Uh, because of the emotional, heartstring pulling, gut wrenching feeling from the first game, the way they wrote that was it was so original to me. Uh, they did draw inspiration for a couple um, from a couple of books, which I recently learned. So I'm very excited to see what direction they're going to take in the second one. But also, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, even Earthworm Jim 
was another TV show. I forgot about that, that animated one from like the, the 90s. Um, Mega Man. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot about Mega Man as well. Um, that intro, I forgot all about that. I can't believe that. But that was another one. So I really want to see them do more with bringing video game media and turning it into good TV show or good movie because they have the... They have the tools right there. I mean, the video game makes the foundation for them. So I really want them to do something with it because there are so many out there that that they can do something with. So what what would you say would be a game that you would like to see turned into a movie that doesn't already have a presence on screen? Seeing as how I'm so excited for like cyberpunk and like I, I want to rewatch Blade Runner, I think something in a in a sci-fi universe, I would say Zone of the Enders. Um, I believe there was like something small that was made um, back in the early 2000s, but I they can really make a good series out of that. You know, it focused on like war and like these mechs or whatever, and they had that. Uh, that similar thing where, uh, like Game of Thrones, right? Like you really never really knew who was gonna die. Like it was one of those mm-hmm. shows where you did not want to pick a favorite character because that <laughs> pretty much meant they were gonna die. So I really think that that would be a good one. I would love to see something with like the Legend of Zelda, where they might not be able to make a full game, but add to the lore that everyone really likes. I think those would probably be two. I feel like that would never happen because because of the backlash you would get for anyone who ends up voicing Link. But I, you don't have to uh, look at look at Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack didn't start talking to how many episodes in. Like there are so many scenes where it was like so quiet. Like you don't you don't have to you don't have to voice him. Like you don't have to voice Link. I mean, even like in Breath of the Wild, where you were clearly able to see the facial expressions more than anything why can't they do that in a tv show well because in breath of the wild you got to choose what you were saying but no one actually said it no you didn't have uh dialogue options in breath of the wild i mean like i said that's just some that i would want to see um but well i mean but look at look at the successes that that we've had we've had the um the, the mortal Kombat, right not the not the movies from the 90s but there was that mortal Kombat legacy that came out on youtube that was amazing Look at the the Halo movie, uh, Fo- Forward Unto Dawn. That was great. Um, there's also uh, the the Witcher series. Like the Witcher series came out this past December, uh, December 2019. I must have watched that the all eight episodes probably like three times. I think I've seen wow. the whole thing. Yeah, like it was it was great. So I don't know. I think they all have these potential to be great. I know a lot of people are definitely like scared to fund them because of the flops that we've seen. And like, I can't blame them from like a, a financial standpoint. It's definitely something I would like to see more of in the future. And I know there are some coming out. Like, um, I even think watchdogs is getting one, which would be interesting to see how they kind of go from that aspect. Um, but Pokemon, look how well Pokemon did, you know, Pokemon got the game and then we got the anime. And that's still going strong. That's going very strong, actually. And that's and that's a side of one of the successful kind of games that became uh, series and movies. Um, you know, it's it's actually funny. We are getting one that I really want to see what they do with it. Um, Cuphead is getting one. 
a movie okay. or a TV show okay. or an animated series. I'm pretty sure um, it's going to be on Netflix. Uh, uh, the Cuphead show it, it is going to um, it's going to be targeted more to children, which makes sense because the game really wasn't like that. Um, but they do want to include uh, some sort of aspect for the adult audience. So I really want to see what what they do with that. That's interesting. I, I can't really see that being an animated series. No, it's something they're working on. I know the animation isn't going to be spot on because the animation for Cuphead, wow, is straight out of a 1940s cartoon. Yeah, um, isn't but, that? Wasn't it based off of uh, the Mickey Mouse series, the original, like original, original? Uh, like uh, Steamboat Willie? I, I don't yeah. think so. I don't know where they drew inspiration from. Um, but yeah, it, that is something that they're working on. So I don't know. You know, like the, the, I think that's a good step with a series like Cuphead of how popular it became, um, with its you know, Dark Souls level contra gameplay. God, I'm so bad at that game, but the, the animation is so beautiful. Like I just keep going back. So I am glad that they are taking something this popular and kind of bring that forward because it, it does show you that you a game that um, has very limited dialogue. You basically get most of it from like minor conversations with some NPCs. I really want to see where they where they take this, and hopefully more comes from it because we love video games, and it's nice to see video game get attention, um, some positive attention, and you know be profitable because the more profitable they are, the more they get to make, and the better content we receive in the future. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I if you haven't played it, it's like a, a Metroidvania. Um, Ori and the Blind Forest was the first one that recently came out with Ori and the Will of the Wisp. Again, very limited dialogue. And that game made me feel my emotions. Like, <laughs> I did not get my permission slip signed for this feels trip, okay? And I, I want to play it again because of how beautiful that game is. And that's something that they can do. Uh, like a silent, you know, hour movie it doesn't have to be the full hour and a half, you know, two hour movie that Tortuga will tell you that the longer I rate movies by their length, it doesn't matter how good they are. The longer the movie, the better it is. That That's his theory about me. But it doesn't have to be that long to, to be good. And I just want to see more video game media come to fruition, whether in a movie or TV series or even like lim- limited um limited runs you know there there are certain shows that um, only run for like eight or nine episodes right mm-hmm. they can work with that it doesn't have to be you know 24 episode seasons and i feel like uh, a world like ori and the blind forest or willow the wisp has a lot of rich things that they can dive into and explore more because not much is explained because you're you're just dashing through so much of the you know you basically the story right. you learn is from the backgrounds changing and the little bits of cutscenes that you get here and there but majority of it is is what's happening around you and what you know not so much with you, with you actually interacting with other NPCs or anything like that the, the story just builds around the background which I, I thought was very creative and another thing that I loved about the uh, I only played Ori in the Blind Forest was the music. That music was phenomenal. They did such a good job with each each track with um, the specific parts that you were in that game. And the music alone just made it so much more immersive because it was perfect. I found that it was perfect the way the the, the soundtracks that they were um, selecting. 
Yeah, but look at even another example to appeal to you more, right? The Metal Man Battle Network games, right? They got an anime. Did they really? I don't think yeah, I've seen it that. The, it was um, NT Warrior. That's what it was. I'm pretty sure they got like five seasons. If I'm not mistaken, it was it was known for because the original run was like pretty sure it was launched like in 2002. But I like all the seasons I like, put together, I think it was like 200 episodes. Oh, um, that's not bad. And I and it was very similar, right? I think you did something in the game because I I didn't really play them like that, but like you had like these cards or chips to like modify Mega Man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was like the the basis for the fighting. You know, they did something like that in, in Zatch Bell or um, or Pokemon with like their moves, right? So like a lot of the combat like took took place like that. So you know, I there's definitely the potential for it, and it's definitely something I just want to see more moving forward. I just need a new Mega Man Battle Network game to play on the Switch. That would just be amazing. And it's definitely very possible to make, but I don't know if, if the fan base is as strong as it used to be, like you said, in the early 2000s. No, it'd be uh, very, very difficult. I mean, even taking into account um, so many things that Nintendo can do, because uh, I know Nintendo works pretty close with Capcom, right, from like a developer standpoint, developer publisher kind of thing. Um, I'm still waiting for them to release something for... Um, for like the virtual console, you know, there are so many games that are out there that I didn't get to play, whether on the Wii, I didn't get to play anything on the Wii U, you know, nostalgia, Nintendo 64 games, but I don't know if they're going to do the same thing with like that, the library that they have released with the super Nintendo and the Nintendo entertainment system. Like, are they going to do something like that for the N64? Um, quick side note. Uh, I saw something that apparently, Every single Nintendo 64 game that was ever released can fit onto one Switch cartridge. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's this actually is- really cool. <laughs> minor, minor technology tidbit. But, you know, on the topic, would you, if if every um, if every Nintendo 64 title would be brought to the Switch, what would be one or a few that you would be excited for? Um, wow. Well, I would actually write, there's two Zelda games, Ocarina of Time. And uh, Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, I've played many times over, but it's just one of those I can keep going back. Even though as you get older, it is very linear gameplay um, and a lot of fetch quests, but it's just so lore heavy that I enjoy it. Majora's Mask, I've never completed. Um, Goldeneye, I might play a little bit just to kind of get back into that. Um, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day is a must, (laughs) even though I have gotten to play it recently. Um, because it was part of the rare replay, um, which is one of the a game came out on the Xbox One, where there was like thirty games by Rare, the developer uh, that were on there. Uh, so Conquerors by Friday just also happened to be on the uh, Nintendo sixty four. Probably one of the games that took away my childhood innocence because that game was out of control. But it was a great platformer. Yeah, that that was not a game meant for children. <laughs> Um, wow, let me see what else I played. Um, oh, Paper Mario. I, I would like that. Um, while Mario 64 is an iconic game within the series, uh, the 3D Marios are not exactly my cup of tea. Um, I think it's just too, um, I don't know, I think they're just too, too long for me. 
right, for that type of gameplay and like the flipping, and it's just <laughs> it's too too mechanically heavy for me. Um, was back then, I think it still is. That's why I, I played a little bit of Mario Galaxy, and like that was it for me for those 3D Mario games. I'm glad to see them doing well. People love them. Uh, I think Mario Galaxy and Galaxy Two were like the only two games to ever receive like a ten out of ten by. Trevor it was IGN. I think it was IGN. Like they they do not hand those out. So no. that that goes to show you they they stick true to the nine point five for so many times. <laughs> they do. Um, there was one that that I saw them getting a lot of flack for on the internet. I think it was like the Metroid Prime um, game. I think it was like they were doing like a re-review or something, but they gave it a 9.5. And one of the th- the detriment was that the game was too old. What? Because <laughs> the game was old at that point. That's why you didn't give it a 10 out of 10. Wow. So it was just yeah silly to me. But wow, I'm trying to think of what else. I used to play a lot of uh, WWE. EWWF No Mercy with Dario. Um, it is now 2020, and I still have beaten that man in that game. Um, <laughs> Perfect Dark was fun, but I don't know if it's something that I'd look forward to playing like that much. Would you Would you play online if they added that kind of feature to GoldenEye and Perfect Dark? I I probably played Conquerors Bad Fur Day before I played those other ones because I was all right in uh in goldeneye but i've seen like gameplay walkthroughs of those and the way these people shoot they they must have aim bots so <laughs> i don't think i could compete like i you know let me work on valorant now and then we'll talk about top tier goldeneye players ah oh, valorant's so good valorant is so good <laughs> that, new, that new spike game mode is everything because one of my biggest gripes with the beta was that 13 First to thirteen is too much. It's just especially if it goes twelve twelve. It's just it's such too too many games, too many rounds. Um. So real quick, a few more things before we we call the episode. Um. Is books wanted to do a dev appreciation? So let's let's dive into that a little bit because it's a, actually it's a good one. Okay. So one thing that I like to do is, you know, look into some of the developers that have been making our favorite games throughout the years. And uh, one that I would like to talk about today is From Software. They've made many of my favorite games from the Armored Core series to the Souls series. Uh, They've also made Sekiro and um, the upcoming game Elden Ring. So From Software is a Japanese video game development company that was founded in November of 1986. Um, as I mentioned, the company is best known for the Arm- Armored Core and the Souls series. Yeah, I play. I actually played a lot of Armored Core on the PS1 um, when that was out. Um, and one that I was surprised to find out that they also did was actually Ninja Blade. I don't know if you played that, um, but it, it was like on the Xbox 360. Yeah. And it had a very similar feel to like the God of War only in the sense that it had a lot of QTE events in there um, for like finishing off bosses and just like combat. Um, it was very, um, it had a similar combat system, I guess, to like maybe the, the 3D Ninja Gaidens or like Devil May Cry. But like the, the quick time events were like very flashy, you know, kind of like, like Bayonetta. And <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I didn't know that the From Software developed them. So that's actually uh, pretty interesting. Um, you know, the reason that we're really trying to put a focus into uh, the devs is in conversation that I know I've had, I'm sure you guys had as well. People always go and name the publisher 
for the success of the games whenever you know they game releases blows up crazy sales the publisher is the main one that you see while the developer is the one doing all of the hard work in my opinion so we do want to take time out maybe we'll do more in future episodes to really highlight the developers um you know like sony gets uh, a lot of uh, attention for again you know we'll bring this up multiple times but something like the last of us of how amazing that game was but you know naughty dog is really the one behind it you know doing all the writing and uh, the action sequences you know everything just building that world from the ground up so uh, let's not forget to uh, give the uh, their the credit where credit's due to our developers so if uh, any of you guys are listening to this um you know we thank you for all your hard work uh, from the indie titles to the AAA games. Uh, a video game is a video game. So just keep it up because the more you guys make, the more we play and the more discussions we can have. Definitely. Again, if you're listening to this, definitely tweet out to us any developers you think that we should give credit to or to give them a little special highlight for projects that they may not be known for because they did it so long, so long ago on on an earlier on earlier consoles where they may have big titles out today. And it's definitely something that I would like to read up on more. I am one of those people who never really mentioned games by their developers and most by their publishers, just because what's printed almost everywhere are the publishers. And when games are in trailers, you'll see the publisher's logo in the beginning or the end of the trailer, usually. And in most cases, that'll be the same thing. When you start the game, you'll see the publisher. And then in really quick flashes, they'll throw the developers <laughs> and then they'll go on to the game. So, And, and one more thing to, to highlight as well um, is when from software, you know, making all these games from Demon Souls and uh, Dark Souls and, and how hard they are. That's probably that's pretty much what they know this developer by or the players is how hard their games are actually to play. Um, but one thing that I would like to and, and something that I'm anticipating is their new upcoming game called Elden Ring. I don't know if you guys knew this, but they're actually working on that game with George R.R. R. Martin, the creator of A Song of Ice, of Ice and Fire. Uh, more people people probably know it better by Game of Thrones. And, and it's definitely going to be an exciting game to play. Do you know when that's due to release? Because I am definitely interested in something like that. So as of right now, I don't believe there's a release date. So they did do like a little teaser for the Xbox um, during the E3 showcase, I believe, and it, it seems like it's going to be a game, you know, like like Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Um, but it's definitely it definitely looks very interesting, and and I can't wait to see like the story behind it. You know what I mean? Because if you're gonna bring on somebody like George R. R. Martin, it's going to have a great story. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. I'm definitely gonna keep in my eye out for that, along with Beyond Good and Evil too. So those will be two titles that may <laughs> never come out. Um, yeah, no, the closest thing we have to a release date was that. Uh, it was going to be a launch title for both the PS5 and the Series X. So it's putting it within the window of maybe Q4 2020 or Q1 2021. Well, thank you for that, uh, Books. Definitely, definitely appreciate our developer appreciations. Um, Pixel, do you have any gaming history for us today? Yes, I do. So actually in 1996... Uh, Quake was actually released, um, and it was one of the first-person shooters to use a lot more advanced 3D graphics technology, and it started up a franchise that has sold over 4 million games. Wow. I I'd actually never played Quake, and I've always wanted to, but it's definitely one of the games that I am intimidated by because of how fast-paced it is. 
It's just like Unreal Tournament, bro. Yeah, a game that I'm not good at. Yeah, well, it's basically like Valorant. Um, <laughs> and you're great at that. Uh, well, thank you for that. That's actually really awesome. And I I'll, I should look into Quick 4, but you know, more on that later. Yeah, there's just so many games right now. It's getting to the point where my backlog is longer than games I'm looking forward to, and it just keeps piling up. Yeah, I mean, I stopped buying games for that very reason, and I'm just playing games that I've already purchased. I said before, I still have games for my Xbox that are still in the plastic. Yeah. Well, so do I. (laughs) All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you for that. And I think that's where we'll end this week's episode again. If you haven't done so, give us a follow on GTV podcast on Twitter. We're also on YouTube. You could do a search for Gamers TV and we should pop up. And yeah, give us a a like and subscribe because we do upload each episode on there. If you happen to use YouTube for podcasting for some reason. Yep, and if you ever want to interact with us uh, as well, we also live stream. Uh, you can catch me at twitch.tv uh, forward slash pixelated visionary. And mine would be twitch.tv forward slash gtv underscore tortuga. My URL is twitch.tv forward slash call me books. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and we will catch you next episode. Boom! Hit the button. Ha, ha, ha.